You know what? I already am kind of running a little late, but I don't care because it's been really good. So I'll just teach fast and you'll hear fast. Okay. Uh, this Wednesday, classes will be starting back up again. And uh, there's, there's an information table in out by the well uh, for the adult classes. Uh, we also have youth classes. And I need to announce that there is a meeting for the refuge youth parents following uh, the refuge uh, meeting on um, Wednesday. This would be at eight, at eight o'clock over in the reservoir. I was supposed to get in the bulletin, didn't make it in there. So anyway, now you know. Stand with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, your presence. I thank you for your peace. I pray, Lord God, that you would Breathe on us today. Breathe, breathe life, breathe freedom into our lives today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We live in a world of anxiety. We, we live in a world that's just really got it going on. Now, I'll stop in just a second, but the anxiety doesn't stop. When I was a, when I was a kid, I remember, uh, and, and by kid, I'm talking about, you know, early elementary age. I remember laying in bed at night, afraid, listening for the for the the Russian bombers to fly in and drop the atomic bomb on Millersville, Tennessee. And some of you who are in my age bracket just changed the name of the location you can identify with with what that was. I mean, that is absolutely. Uh, it, it was a real fear that was going on. Uh, as I got older, uh, the Cold War ended, the Red Menace ended, but the anxiety didn't. I, I mean, as far as the world is concerned, the anxiety didn't. Uh, this graphic didn't end up being as, as large as I, uh, well, you probably can't see it. But anyway, w- w- what it is, is they, they interviewed people in different parts of the world and said, do you feel um, no anxiety? Do you feel some anxiety? Do you feel very anxious? And um, the ones who said, I feel some or a lot of anxiety, I think the lowest percentage in any of the regions was still over 60%. It's like almost two out of every three people in the world walk with anxiety in their lives. Uh, apparently, here in the United States, I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but apparently... Uh, one in five adults suffer a clinical form of anxiety. I mean, we're talking, we're talking clinical, we're talking medical um, uh, treatment for, for what is needed there. And it's no wonder because they're almost all on Facebook. <laughs> they watch the evening news. The medical profession will tell you that the good news is that anxiety disorder is treatable which is good news for them because it's a real profit center. <laughs> but the Bible says it's curable. It's, it's got... Now, now let me say it before I get into this uh, too deeply. I'm not against people taking medication. But here's the deal. Whether you're taking medication for anxiety 
or cancer or a cold or whatever it may be, you take it with the knowledge that only God can heal. That's what you take. I mean, you know, I, I take stuff, but I take it with the knowledge that God is the one who's, who's doing stuff. It's not, it's not really, it's not really this. But anyway, this passage of scripture talks about dealing with anxiety, how to deal with anxiety. And I know there's uh, the last two verses in particular zero in on it, but I think the whole passage is the package. You get right down to it. And so it starts out with this. It starts out telling us to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Proverbs tells us that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bone. I mean, when you got a cheerful heart, things are kind of going on, right? I mean, it's, that's, pretty good, that's a pretty good place to be when, when, when your heart is cheerful. My dad had a great sense of humor, he, uh, but he never showed it in the pulpit. In fact, he never really showed it in the church until I became pastor and he became the troublemaker. We just kind of swapped places is what happened. It, it, he could have some fun. Uh, but, but he had a great sense of humor. When he passed away, uh, I, I love this story. Some of you were there, so you already know it. But uh, when he passed away, several, uh, several different guys spoke at his funeral. And one of them was a guy named Bob Lankford, who's my oldest friend in the world. We probably got to know, we got to know each other when we were toddlers. And, uh, and it was Bob's dad who actually brought my dad to Middle Tennessee. He was the presbyter of the Assemblies of God here in the Nashville area. And uh, brought my dad in. And then, uh, as I said last week, my dad was always bivocational. He always worked um, um, another job to support his habit of pastoring a church. And he, uh, he was a butcher for, uh, in, a, in a grocery store for quite a while. But, but uh, the other job that he did, probably longer than any of them, was selling shoes. And um, uh, Bob's dad also uh, was kind of the right-hand man of Marvin Jacobs, who owned Family Bootery, and there were like 10 of those in the area here. My dad would work at Family Bootery, and Bob uh, used to work with him some, and he, and he told this story at my dad's funeral. He said, you know, they were, they were at Family Bootery working hard, watching customers come in, and, uh, and they saw this guy come in who had on a pair of shorts, and my dad said, that guy has got the biggest knees I have ever seen in my life. You ever seen anybody whose knees are that big? And Bob said, no, I, I, I think you're right. My dad said, he must have water on the knee. And, uh, and Bob said, yeah, he might. Uh, yeah, he just might. My dad said, I wonder if I could sell him a pair of pumps. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I mean, if, but you never saw it in the pulpit. Never saw it. My, uh, I, I love this picture. I've shown it a few, a few times, but, but I really love this picture. Actually, none of my parents are in there, but the guy in the middle at the bottom is my grandfather. My grandfather, uh, Alan Mitchell, and a couple of my uncles are in that shot. But do you notice anything about that shot? I mean, don't, don't, doesn't the look on those faces just say, it, this is where you want to sp- you come hang out with us. You know, I, and, and especially, you know, like that, that gal right there, my hand's not real steady. You know, you kind of wonder what's wrong with her. And, and, then, and, then you, and then you go, well, it's because that guy's right behind her. And he looks dangerous. 
there are only two people in that picture who don't look aggravated, upset, disturbed, depressed, uh, zombied out. <laughs> One of them is my Uncle Paul, who, who always kind of had a look like, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. And then the other is that gal. Where did she come from? How did she get in the middle of that? I have no idea who she is. I just know she's the only one I would have asked out. So, well, you know, that's the way people used to be. They didn't smile in pictures. Well, they didn't smile in pictures, but that's also the way a lot of churches look. You know, and, and ours looked that way for the first, the first six months I was here. I mean, I had some of the best material and it just, <laughs> just didn't crack. Could, it took a long time to get people to crack a smile. Somewhere along the line, we decided that God is worshiped by our solemnity and sourness. Paul says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I had some friends from, from college who don't normally attend church. And, of course, there are friends of mine from college. It's been a long time. And uh, who came a couple of months ago. And both of them were just kind of blown away. They went, these people actually seem to be happy to be here. Because that's not usually how it is. It's kind of like uh, uh, church is someplace you go so that you can feel good about having fun somewhere else. Because when you get ready to to have fun, it ain't going to be there, right? But that's not how it should be. Life has a balance. And, And the Bible tells us that to everything there's a season. Ecclesiastes so it's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. So it's not all, always laughter. It's not always good times and noodle salad. I mean, it's, it's, it's other. There are times when, and, and, and you don't want to fake it. This, this, uh, this guy's name, Watchman Nee, he, uh, back in the middle of the 20th century, he was a, a, a Bible teacher in China. And but uh, if you read his his biography, he said when he first got saved, he felt <coughs> he felt like he was supposed to go around every day with a smile on his face because he was a Christian now. Yeah. And then, you know, he finally realized that, no, he was supposed to be real. That's what he was. So it's not always about that. But but here's the thing. And I know statistics aren't necessarily all that important, but very quickly in the Bible, uh, weep, mourn, sad. And it's. Their descendants, weeping, mourning, sadness, uh, uh, 326 times they're mentioned. That's, that's a few. That's quite a few. Uh, joy, uh, laugh, glad, their, their descendants, um, 608 times, you know, almost two to one. And really, and let me just say that I didn't put crying up there because the Bible doesn't usually use that word in the context of tears coming out of your eyes. It usually uses the word in terms of, of uh, saying, "Hey, Don, good, good, wake up, brother. Uh, it's good, good to, good to see you." I, his eyes were open; he just wasn't looking at me. Uh, you know, I just cried. I, I just cried out, so I, that's why I didn't use that word. But, but not only—I mean, I think it's at least a two-to-one ratio because a lot of times those. Uh, in that first list, weeping and mourning and sadness, they're used in the, in, in the context of something that's passing away or something that needs to be replaced. <coughs> 
Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning, and the morning's always going to be coming. And some people go, yeah, it's going to be night again. Oh, just can it. It's going to be morning again, too. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. You've loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. There certainly is a time for tears and solemnness, but that's not our destiny. And that's not the main theme in heaven. So I don't understand if that's not the main theme and what's going on in heaven, why it's supposed to be the main theme in the worship of the Almighty God. Somehow that lie kind of got into the church that it wasn't a place where we were where we were real. It wasn't a place where we could really enjoy ourselves. Psalm 1611, you have filled me with joy in your presence. When his presence comes, joy comes. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's the kind of God he is. That's that's doesn't say there won't ever be any tears, but he wipes them away. So some may complain, you know, look at the world. There's nothing in this world to rejoice about. Amen. Quit looking at the world. We're never commanded to rejoice in the world. We're commanded to rejoice in the Lord. So if we looked at the world a little less and looked at the Lord a little more, we might be able to get our joy on. And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. We are strong. Indeed, you know, we're strong. We're overcomers. We're victors. All that, especially Victor uh, Savolto is a victor. We're, uh, yeah, yeah, Victor, Victor came to the church here and then decided to move out of state. I thought he was able to hear from God better than that, but, uh, but, he, but he's back visiting today. We're, we're victors. We're overcomers. But, that does, but the truly strong don't have to go around breaking things to prove that they're strong. A quiet, gentle strength may be little noticed nor respected in this world, but it's still the currency of heaven. That's, that's still how heaven views things. I was asked the other day by somebody what my life verse was. I said, well, I got about 60. Uh, you know, which one do you want? One of them, though, one of the verses that just really hit me a number of years ago is 2 Timothy 2, 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Say, oh, he's talking about pastors. No, I think he's talking about the Lord's servant. It could be like, you know, anybody who's serving the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. In fact, it goes on to say, so that they might actually come to repentance. They might actually have a change of heart. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've been ragging on Facebook for the last month, and I'm going to rag on it until it dies. Uh, but I call 2 Timothy 2.23 the Facebook verse. 24 is what's up there. This is what 23 says. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. But we're supposed to be gentle. And quarrels don't change people's hearts. They harden people's hearts. It says the Lord's servant must be, must be gentle. Godliness is not demonstrated by, by bullying or by aggressive behavior. Galatians 5, 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The gifts of the Spirit are evidence that the Holy Spirit has visited. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that the Holy Spirit lives there. And when the Holy Spirit lives there, one of the things that happens is gentleness is produced in a person's life. Gentleness, it's, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, that, the gentle are the ones who are going to get the whole earth. Speaking of life verses. And then later on in, in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. They're the ones that will be called children of God. And also the gentle will be less anxious. See, the aggressive feel like, I got, I got to do something about this. I got to change this. I got to make this happen. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to put on the big yoke. And that breeds anxiety. The gentle, most, if, you, if you think about people you know, and if you can think of someone and go, that person is outstanding for their gentleness, they're also going to be outstanding for their peace and their lack of anxiety in their life. If you think about that. Okay, well, then we get down to the verse that really kind of nails it, and that is the cure for anxiety. It's one thing to, to say, don't be anxious. It's something else to, to give the tools needed to not be anxious. And the Bible does both. Just gave us two. Rejoicing, gentleness. Those are two, those are two powerful tools against anxiety. Uh, but the Bible also gives us these specific tools. And, and this isn't a don't worry, be happy, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's not that at all. There's the, you actually have to be proactive and, and do something. And, and, and this is um, effective in every situation. War, politics, health, work, death. I mean, if you, if you, if you can get over anxiety about death, then the rest of it is no step for a stepper. And you say, well, you don't know what the situation was in my life, is in my life. No, I don't. But I know what the situation was in Paul's life. He, he was in prison under the threat of execution for nothing. I mean, he's totally innocent and he's waiting in prison, possibly going to be executed. It, it was up to an arbitrary Caesar to decide what to do with him. Uh, and I suspect that your situation may not be that dire. Mine never has been quite frankly. And that's what Paul was under when he, when he wrote this. This is a proper protocol for every situation, and it's very simple. Bring your request to God with thanksgiving. That's it. And, you know, we don't, sometimes we're, we're able to nail that on the big things. I mean, something gets so bad, we pray about it. But the little things, which add up, we just throw those in the backpack and keep on going. And it says to bring your request to God with, with thanksgiving. And let me, uh, let me just say this because over the years as I've, as I've heard this verse and sometimes as I've heard it taught and as I've thought about it, that, that thanksgiving thing, it, I've assumed that it was, God, here's my request and I'm thanking you in advance because I know that it's going to be done. Um, that's not why we bring thanksgiving. In fact, there's nowhere the Bible tells us to thank him in advance. We thank him for who he is. We thank him for what he has done. And we can thank him for what he's going to do on the macro level. He is going to redeem us and he's going to redeem this entire earth. And he's going to, he's going to take us home to 
to live with him. But in terms of, you know, Lord, I ask you for that raise, and I'm thanking you in advance for that raise. No, we thank him for the access. What an incredible thing it is to have access. Um, last year, year before last, one of those years, I had a, I had a, I had a, just a bad issue come up. My license got suspended, and you gotta go. Okay, what's the, what's going on? Nothing, nothing. What had happened was I had sold a car, and uh, a person, the person who had the car had a wreck, didn't have insurance, and. Um, for some reason, my name still got put on the the accident report. And, you know, I, after, I mean, I've talked to several people, thought everything was all solved until, you know, I get a notice going, uh, you know, if you don't pay this $11,000, your license is going to be suspended. So, you know, I went to find out, and sure enough, it already was. I'm going, Okay. Well, it said, you know, if you feel like this is wrong, contact Homeland Security. Gave me a number. And what happens when you call that number is you get get an answer eventually, and it says, you've contacted Homeland Security. Uh, We are busy right now, so call back later. Click. You know, and after about 50 times in a row, you kind of, and calling it early and late and different times of the day, you kind of go, what can you, and this place, there's no address for it. (laughs) Do you know where Homeland Security resides? (laughs) Area 51. (laughs) That's where it is. But I finally... I finally went, I'll call my state representative. And I did. And 24 hours later, my license was reinstated. Now, here's the thing. When you got access to somebody who can do something, hallelujah. Just hallelujah. I got access. I I, 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 and if you got, if you got the, uh, the governor's ear, if you got the president's ear, that's pretty good. You got the ear of the Lord God Almighty. That's something to bring some. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Because you got in the gate. You, you, you were able to go there. Uh, I think I've got time to, to share this. A couple, well, no, a lot of years back, Alan Vincent, I remember him sharing a story about a friend of his. Alan uh, is an Englishman. And his friend was running a um, some kind of charity, and they had a project that uh, that they wanted the Duke of Edinburgh to um, promote or lend his name to. And the Duke of Edinburgh is that guy who stands by the Queen. That's 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 the Queen's husband. And so this guy got an appointment with the Duke of Edinburgh, and uh, and he had fifteen minutes. And these are, these are, these are Brits. These are, these are English people. If you have a 15 minute appointment and you show up 14 minutes late, you now have a one minute appointment. It's not like going to church. (laughs) 
But so the guy was there and, and his appointment started and he went in and he began to explain what the situation was. He, about, about two or three minutes into it, the door burst open. This kid comes running in and goes, Daddy, my, my boat is broken. And so the, the Duke of Edinburgh takes this, this child, sits, sit, Charles probably, sits, sits him up on his, on his knee and spends the next eight or nine minutes fixing the boat. And then pats him on his little behind, and off he goes. And then he turns to the guy and says, I'm terribly sorry, uh, but uh, you have four minutes left. Go ahead. Access is such, such an, a valuable thing and such a, a wonderful thing. We have access to the throne of grace. Thank you. Thank you for the access that we have. And so, so for anxiety, you can, uh, you can do one of three things. You can freak out, which uh, has never been known to actually help anyone with anxiety. You know, uh, you, can, you can take a pill, and I will say that, it, you know, there are times, I'm not saying that there's never a time to take a pill. There may be. Uh, but take it with the knowledge that, you know, God has got this. God is in control of this. But so if you're not taking it with the knowledge that God is in control of this, then it's not going to help either because you're probably going to need two pills next month and three the next, and then you can be anxious about the pills that you're taking. So be sure God is part of that equation. Or you can have a little talk with Jesus. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. And when you feel a little prayer wheel turning, whatever that is, know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And it does. It does. You know, and you kind of go, well, I had a talk with him and, and I'm feeling a little anxious again. Well, do it again. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend that watches day and night. He knows my every care. I go to him in prayer. Just a little talk with Jesus. Somebody say joy. Yeah, that's it right. And what happens then? Everything changes, right? Inside it does. What happens then is this. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We aren't promised that circumstances will change. They may need to change. And God can certainly arrange that. And if, it's, if that's what is best, He will do so. But if every time we wanted something to change, it changed, we don't become strong and mature, we become, we become spoiled and immature. Yeah, he's, he's going to do what's right and what's best. We're promised something better than a mere change of circumstances. God's peace is better than a mere change. We're promised God's peace. You know, a mere change of circumstances, uh, taking away your anxiety, when, if the circumstances change back, the anxiety comes back. But God's peace transcends circumstance, transcends understanding. You got peace about that? Yeah, I do. Why? I don't know. 
I just talk to God and I feel good. Wow! Transcends, goes beyond the range, goes beyond the limits, goes beyond the, the boundaries that we think are out there. That's what transcends me and transcends our understanding. You see, if I can understand totally why I have peace, then once my understanding changes, the peace changes or go, maybe even goes away. But if, if, I, if, I, if I don't understand it, I just got it. You know, when you're good, you're good. Sometimes you just don't know why is that person, they're just good. And I've, you know, I'd rather be good than smart. I'd rather be good than, than fast. I'd, I'd rather be good than anything. Because when you're good, you win. When you're good, it just, it just happens. And, and, that's, and, when, and when the peace of God comes, it transcends all understanding. It's, it's just mind. It's full of wonder. It's wonderful. When will it wear off? Well, it doesn't wear off. If it does, it just go back and get you some more. Closing down real quickly. Uh, uh, Psalm says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will, he will enable you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. That's the Old Testament. New Testament says basically the same thing. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. And when we do, it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Your emotions get under control. No freak out. Your mind becomes clear. You're able to see and make good decisions. Walk in the right way. Living with anxiety is miserable. Um, and that's not how life is supposed to be. My mom was 84 when she passed away. In the last few years of her life, um, she didn't want any more surgeries. She'd had enough surgeries. And all she wanted to eat was candy. It's funny how things kind of flip, you know. There's a time when they're saying to you, that's all you ever want to eat is candy. Well, just wait. You'll get to say it to them. But all she ever wanted to eat was candy. And, uh, and I thought that was great. Candy. Give her all the candy she wants. And, and it wasn't that I was kind of, you know, it wasn't like, uh, well, I'm not even going to say what it wasn't like. Uh, what it was like was, hey, look, the woman's 84 years old. And she loves Jesus. She's got something to look forward to over there. Give her something to look forward to here. Yeah, you get right. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it's an inside joke. Uh, I mean, if you're 24, okay, it's probably not a good idea to just eat candy. Or if you're 14. But, when, you know, you, you hit 80, man, life ought to get good. We're adults. We can do what we, can do what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, the living with... Uh, live, life is about more than existing. It's about living. And living with anxiety. So I, I loved the picture at the beginning of the... Uh, of, uh, on that first slide of the gal riding a bicycle with her hands out like this. Now, I can't do that, but it just looks like so much fun. 
It just, it just looks so free. And that's how God intends for us to live. That's, that's how he, that's how he wants us to live. The world is full of anxiety. We, we can, we can choose to ignore it and pretend that it's not there. Uh, we can, uh, we can pretend, we can pretend, you know, do something, take something to make it just go away and pretend that it's not there. Or we can bring it to God because he is there and he makes you brave. He will call you out beyond the shore, out beyond the, the, the mundane, regular, everyday, ordinary. He will call you if you just let Him. And you can leave your fears behind. Would you stand with me? I told you I'd talk fast. Hopefully, or teach fast. Hopefully, you all heard fast. Those who are going to pray with people, come forward. If you're here and you need prayer, I mean, what, what have we been saying? Make your request, your petitions known to the Lord. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, we probably need a couple people over here to pray with folks. If you're here and you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to Christ. And you may think, well, you know, I've, I've been a, I'm a pretty rough character. <laughs> hey, he's, he, he can handle it. The, the, the blood of Christ can handle it. Yeah. He brought you here today. You didn't just stumble in. He knew you were coming. So if he's dealing with your heart, we'd like to introduce you to him. If you don't need to come worship with us for a little while, we'll create an atmosphere for those who do need to come.